The Boating Life Podcast with Savvy Navi, making marine navigation at sea easy. Welcome to another edition of The Boating Life with me, Kerry Herford-Jones, as together with Savvy Navi, we go about trying to reduce some of the barriers to boating and help you to overcome them. Today's podcast is a real environmental theme to it, as we'll talk to Holly Manville from a group called Clean Sailors. But before that, we need to catch up once again with the crew of Phoenix to discover more about their own green credentials. Hello and welcome back. Hello. Hello, nice to be back. We're back again. <laughs> Biggest question and the one we always start with, of course, is how's Freddie and is he getting plenty of walks in? Well, I think I'll let you guess what he's doing right now. He's asleep in front of the radiator, as usual. Shock yeah. horror. Yeah, he's yeah. been getting a lot of walks in lately and it's all new for him at the moment. So he's loving exploring new places yeah. uh, as a weep. So, yeah, yeah, I think he's content and so are we. So that's good. Oh, lovely. Now, just to remind us, where are you at this moment in time? We are in Dunstaffordshire Marina, which is about a five-minute drive out of Oban on the west coast of Scotland. Near quite a good hub, really. Oban's quite a large town. It's got all the usual shops and things like that, and it's good for local fish as well. The fishermen have, like, shacks down mm. at the seafront, and they sell all their fresh fish. So, yeah, it looks like a really nice, uh, nice place to be based for the winter. Sounds marvellous. Well, today we want to talk a little bit about the environmental aspects of sailing. Really just want to have a, a chat about how we as sailors try and be a little bit more aware of the environment that we're living in uh, and also about how we try and protect the environment a bit as well. So that's the theme of today. We've got a couple of guests for today's podcast to feature as well, including Holly from Clean Sailors. We'll be meeting up with her later. But let's start with you guys and how green is life on board Phoenix? We're similar to, to most sailors in the sense that we try our best. It's very hard to be completely perfect, especially when you are like us where we were on the move quite often. But I think sailing isn't necessarily as green as we first think because obviously a lot of things we put back into the water, such as dishwashing, liquid, soaps, if you shower on board, shower gels and that sort of thing. But also the anti-fail that you put on your boat, that's designed to stop marine life growing on your boat. So it's not going to be too good as it erodes off and goes into the sea. So unfortunately, sailing isn't as green as you think. But if we all try our best, then yeah. I think together we can make a big difference. I think there's small things that we know that we're not completely perfect and there's probably people out there that are doing a lot more than we are. For instance, people that are converting to electric motors instead of diesel. We still have a diesel engine and we still use our diesel heater. But it's the small things that we can do. So we've converted all our products on the boat. So like washing up liquid, washing detergent, the things that we clean our clothes in. All of those things we try and be as eco-friendly as possible. We haven't found one brand that we're particularly stuck with. We've kind of tried a few some are marine specific some are just household friendly but they're all suitable to be pumped out because like adam said everything that comes out of the sink will be going straight into the water so you do have to be very mindful of what sort of products you're using showering hair um, shampoo things like that all have to be considered really and there are as you say quite rightly choices out there some of them expensive as well prices seem to be quite high for eco-friendly products would you agree with that I would, and I think it's difficult in the supermarket where you're like us and many cruisers living on a budget and you're faced with the fact that you could spend 30p on 
a washing up liquid which is not going to be good for your surroundings or again you know maybe sometimes even four times the price yeah. but it is better for the environment so you do have to make difficult choices but I think protecting the environment is the priority that comes before budget really for us. Like I say if everyone tried and did a small difference together that would make a big difference. Do what you can with with, the with things, what you've got yeah, yeah with what you've got definitely you're absolutely right adam in management speak there is this thing about marginal gains 1.1 percent here and 0.1 percent there before you've got too far down the road you're at five percent mm. and then you're at ten percent and you're absolutely right it's it, cumulatively it can make and will and should make a huge difference i think it's like building the habit as well and like you say the more and more you do small things you'll build a bigger awareness of it and you'll gradually integrate into more of what you can mm. what you can do on board i think habit forming is and you know the new norm as you say of when you start yeah. using products and you start thinking about as you say everything that we have on board let's look at it as a whole and say okay so what bits can we be more environmentally aware of and what bits can't we so even things like food storage we have to give thought about when we're continuously cruising keeping it in a cool place but keeping it in a dark place luckily on boats we have bilges i don't know how much you use yours we use ours a lot yeah we do we're still in the process of uh, figuring out exactly where is convenient because a few places are really awkward to pull the bo- uh, floorboards up and get under the build and when you want a tin of beans or anything you can't, I can't be bothered to pull the floorboards up so we're kind of experimenting on where we keep stuff but we try and buy locally where we can we've been really lucky that the last few anchorages that we've been in we've had really nice local stores which obviously have local um, products in produce in which has been really nice to have food that's from the area that we've been in and we've been lucky enough to be able to be foraging some things recently so we foraged a few berries and have made some jams and jellies and things like that which is really nice just being in touch with the different seasons and in terms of food storage and like tips and things that we've got we like you say we just make sure that it's in a dry area we are going to be insulating this year so that should help as well but we've got sort of several cupboards that are dry and we've actually taken our table out of our saloon and we've replaced it with an ottoman so we've got a lot of food storage in there and we've really noticed the difference this cruising season with that extra storage haven't we yeah and if you can we bought big bags of rice big bags of pasta that sort of stuff will just limit you having to go to the shops which is good again on the carbon footprint but also good for us because if we're in the middle of nowhere we've got choices to eat (laughs) so it works both ways you haven't got down to freddy's food yet (laughs) <laughs> no not yet no haven't not, been. not quite tempting a few times i must admit but <laughs> <laughs> let's keep going with that theme about insulation because it is about keeping retaining heat we're talking in the main here about grp boats and it's interesting that you reference going for more insulation we've just done the same thing it's again thinking about the whole thing and thinking okay where can we reduce the cold coming in as much as the heat going out what sort of things you got planned we're going to be working on insulating just the hull this year so we're going to be using a couple of different companies some more expensive than the others so we're going to probably use the more expensive option in the bedroom and for insulating our wardrobes just to help with mould and that sort of thing. It's slightly thicker foam, isn't it? It's a slightly thicker foam. And then for the all, all of the other areas, we'll use uh, cheaper options, which a lot of people nowadays use the uh, flooring you can buy for garages or... Gyms and things. Gyms, uh, yoga mats, for example. People have used those and had really good results. So it's mainly looking at reducing condensation and therefore mould. But also, like you say, 
the less heat that can escape keeps the boat warmer and therefore in turn you use either for like for us we use a diesel heater hopefully you will use less diesel and if you use electric radiators and things like that again it's more efficient so then you don't have to use as much and in turn it should keep cost cost in the cost long run it should help. as well yeah. so uh, as well we just plugged a few sort of gaps where any cold air or drafts can come in as well that makes a big difference when you can feel a draft Mm. Normally the rain will help you out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've noticed a big hole to be plugged in our anchor locker, which yeah. we need to sort. The list is getting longer again. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done anything about any of it yet. No. <laughs> we will get there eventually. Of course you will. But the important thing was, as we said, all those months ago when we started out on this literal voyage of both podcast and on the sea that it was about getting the boat right to start with. And clearly from what you're saying is Phoenix is still performing exactly what you'd hoped she would do for you and give you the kind of base to build on. Oh, definitely. She's done that and more, I'd say. I think our relationship with the boat now, mine especially, but I think I can speak for you as well. But, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I just feel so much more... I've always trusted the boat, but I just feel so much more in tune. I know that she's going to keep me completely safe. And my, yeah, my relationship has just sort of changed. My level of trust and confidence in the boat has grown massively. I've noticed, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've noticed on this trip is my trust in how the boat will handle things. And I think part of that will then reduce any anxiety in turn that will reduce sea. So it all just goes nicely hand in hand. But to get there, you've got to put yourself out there and feel uncomfortable and be in those situations. But they do eventually get easier. And I would never would have believed myself saying that now, but it's 100% true. Definitely. And the good thing about us as far as living, because we were living on board for quite a few years before, some things to do with keeping it dry and things like that, we sort of worked out before we left, which has helped us along the way. So I think just just having a good understanding of your boat and getting to know yeah, it is such I a think key point. We really benefited from living on board for many years before we set off on cruises. So yeah, we sort of solved a lot of problems like that before we left and we kind of understood the boat a bit more before we left on the trip. Mm. Yeah. It's wonderful to hear you say that, both of you, but Lauren, particularly you, as I know, with the anxiety. And it's great to hear that level of trust has built so much between you, Phoenix, and dare we say the skipper. Well, that's one of the main part of it. It's just thanks to Adam. I don't definitely. know about that. <laughs> you, yeah, it, it definitely is. I'm talking Freddie here. It all Adam, comes don't... together. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he's relaxed as well into it as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's yeah, he's got used to it. Yeah. He always used to be relaxed, but he sometimes used to shiver and be a little bit unsettled. But these days, as long as he's got a pillow and his wool blanket, he loves this wool blanket he's got. Put that over him and he's settled, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Let's look a little bit about electrical consumption. We've touched on that a little bit already so far in this podcast today. You had some solar panels. You have some solar panels on board. How are those working, Adam? And is there any uh, plans to upgrade, change or add wind power or anything else to, to your mix at the moment? Yeah, so they've worked out really well this year. Um we have two 200 watt solar panels which we mounted at the on the aft railings of the boat and we have those going to two individual charge controllers so they have a charge controller for each panel which then goes uh, to the batteries and i think they've worked out amazingly for us i when i was planning out our electrical systems wanted to keep this boat very simple so Everything's 12 volt. We don't run an inverter. We don't have anything that's 240 power here 
uh, is our standard power in the UK when we're not plugged into shore power. And in, in turn, I'd say on a even on a reasonably sunny day, by 10 o'clock in the morning, the batteries are 100% charged. And we rarely, with just LED lights and a bit of water pumping, I think we barely go below 85% mm. most of the time. And then, like I say, by 10 o'clock the next day, it's 100%. It's not so much the same now, we've just had to remove one battery. Our carbon monoxide alarm actually went off. It doesn't emit carbon monoxide, but it, I think it's a hydrogen that it detects. And it turned out, we've had it before as well, that one of the batteries was leaking, so we've had to remove it. So we are actually, our house bank sort of battery bank is, is lower now. So our house bank is a smaller uh, capacity now. But we're we still fully charged. Yeah, we're yeah. still fully charged. At the moment, we're in a marina. So we will replace those batteries over the winter as part of our projects. Mm. How long have those lasted? So our batteries are a bit of a, a mix mash. So I think, to be honest, it probably was about four years old, maybe okay. five. So it, it, it probably needed to go anyway. But again, that's another thing. It's not very environmentally friendly, is it? I wish we could go to lithium, but it's very, very expensive. Uh, it is. It is. Um, but yeah. I would love, love to go to lithium if we could. That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, Further on down the line, with adding more solar, I think we probably will. For us doing coastal sailing that we have done this year and probably will do again next year, we're fine as we are. But if we were to start doing some longer trips, blue water trips, to places that didn't have many uh, facilities, any marinas or anything like that, I think we would increase our solar panels. And or if we eventually got uh, lithium batteries and then we could turn to mainly an electric boat not maybe mm. a, the engine at the moment but we could run uh, induction cookers instead of using gas and things like that the advancements in batteries have come along in yeah. leaps and bounds over the last few years and there's many people now turning to electric engines yeah. and with really good results and some really good work being done in those we've so, met a few people along the way and had some interesting discussions it's not right for us at the moment but if you yeah if you are interested in that anyone that's listening there's a lot of people out there that are doing it really successfully so yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, we're actually going to be talking to the Chief Operating Officer of, of Exshore, who are actually producing, manufacturing and, and really pushing on at the cutting edge of, of battery power, their electric boats. So uh, we're going to be interesting to talk to him and they will actually feature in, in a podcast. So look, that's great with electric, but no plans at the moment to put any wind generation on there at all, Adam? I would like a wind generator, nothing against them. And obviously you have the added bonus that it's, if it, it, yeah. we, we want wind as sailors and if there's wind in the night you're still getting yeah. uh, some charge which obviously you're not going to get from solar it gives you another option doesn't it so instead of just relying on the sun even if it's a cloudy day but it's windy you're still going to be getting a lot of power so yeah. it makes t complete sense oh uh, yeah like like lauren said it makes sense and if we it, it's just for us about budget yeah if we could afford one yeah i would probably get one because yeah. i think they're they're a good use of kit really mm. it's just a question of asking father christmas then really <laughs> yeah yeah he's got a big list from us i think this year <laughs> if things like our batteries didn't stop going yeah unfortunately the boring things take priority <laughs> yeah, yeah always i'm afraid we're almost at the end of today's podcast i just need to touch on one area that can be a bit of a challenge sometimes i think anyway and that is about recycling uh some marinas a better setup should we say than others for recycling how have you been finding it and how do you actually deal with recycling elements on board 
Um, so I would agree. We found a mix of responses in marinas. Most people, to be honest with you, are really on board with it and it's not been a problem. The only thing that we've noticed is when we're in anchorages, obviously it's a lot more difficult and we have had to walk uh, like 40 minutes with our rubbish, which was on the way to a shop. So you just have to be uh, more mindful of your trips ashore. Where are you going to go? Is there going to be anywhere you can put your rubbish? But we just separate our recycling from our sort of other waste if I lived in a house, I'd love to compost waste, get rid of any food, um, have a caddy and things like that. I would love to do that, but we just can't do it on board. There would be nowhere to get rid of it. We just do the best that we can and we're not perfect, but just being mindful of what we buy, try and reduce the packaging. We always use recyclable bags um, and just mindful of what we bring on board because you don't have a big wheelie bin that you can just put it in outside. But in in... The masses, most marinas have been really good, I'd say. Mm. In most anchorages, well, they do, you do have to just be mindful when you go out on the tender. You just have to plan your rubbish trip as well. It's just like another added thing, isn't it? You can do it if you think about it, but you have to think about it a lot more than in a house. Well, thank you so much for joining us again for today's Savvy Navy podcast. Adam, Lauren and Freddie, safe journey, guys, and catch up with you again very soon. Oh, see you soon. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Bye. 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 Getting stressed out planning your next sailing trip? Savvy Navi acts like your silent first mate, cross-checking your calculations and providing all the information you need to get out on the water safely. Get integrated charts, weather forecasts, tidal heights, tidal streams, distance calculations and more in one place. Whether you're looking to plan an entire trip or just want to check the charts, tide and weather, it's as easy as one, two, three. Sail safe, sail easy. Sail with Savvy Navi. Download the app now on the Apple app and Google Play stores to start your free trial. So next up is Holly Manville, who's responsible for the running of Clean Sailors. She herself has over a thousand nautical miles of sailing under her belt, along with a core background in business and experience of working with various leading international development organisations. I began our chat by asking her when the project Clean Sailors was set up and why. We set up the project actually just over a year ago now. As a group of sailors, we are interested in how our sailing community and actually the wider marine community can look a little bit harder at helping conserve our oceans. In essence, we're sailors who love the sea and we just want to help set a new standard of clean sailing. What's the background to forming this group? I've got a deep interest in sort of environmental science and also oceanography, etc. and being a sailor myself. And over the years, have just found out and seen a lot more about how not just sailing impacts our environment but how us as human beings impact our environment and before this podcast you mentioned it, a Bay of Biscay trip and it was exactly that journey you can be in the middle of nowhere days from land in the most majestic context and yet see this really annoying evidence um, pollution and litter of that's just been washed in predominantly from land and as I was sort of digging into the topic and researching, it was enough to make me change the way that I was I was doing things, whether it was the kind of things I was buying or the kind of conversations I was trying to get into and the kind of research I was doing. So Clean Sailors was almost a way of me originally sharing what I had found just with other people and with a group of people that um, I felt I could speak to being within the sailing community myself. 
it's all very well having a passion, having a desire to try and change something. But to actually give it legs, you've got to have some funding. You've got to have some people behind you and with you. Where's all that coming from and how's that actually come about? I think yes and no. I think every one of us has the capacity to change something. And I think even if it's the kind of things, as I mentioned, that we're buying, every time we purchase something, we're, we're voting, we're saying yes to something. And altering that with the right kind of research and with the right intention is, is incredibly easy for all of us to do. And I think with Clean Sailors, it's been fortunate enough that we've got a team now that's spread through Europe and also South Africa. And also in our short 12 months of existing, we've had some great support from a variety of organisations who really are on board with what we're trying to achieve. And actually just the, the knowledge sharing, I think the big thing... Uh, about a lot of issues, whether it's climate change or ocean temperatures rising, they're massive and they can be very difficult for any of us to get our heads around. So what we're trying to do is obviously promote sailing and, and our love for the sea, but also to break down those issues and how it affects us individually. So I'm a firm believer in not needing a, a huge team and not needing any funding actually to, to make a little bit of a difference. It doesn't have to be public. It just has to be has to be something. Yeah. And you had your epiphany. You had your moment in the middle of uh, in the middle of Biscay. What is it that then triggers other people to connect, to commit, to making a difference? Do you think what triggers them? What's their emotional connection? I think it's a couple of things, and obviously based on some fantastic feedback we've had, has been around. I, I really want to do something, but I don't know where to start. And I think we're very much founded on the. Um, principle that we're we're learning too so what we're learning we're sharing and we're sharing it in a way in which people can easily access and easily understand so that we can all make better more informed decisions um, as I mentioned there's a there's an awful lot in the media and there's an awful lot of awesome organizations who are who are shouting about this too but it can still feel quite inaccessible mm -hmm. and I think we're also very much around promoting sailing and promoting the sea and and it's an incredibly positive and incredibly wonderful environment. And we're very lucky as sailors and seafarers to be able to experience that to any degree. For us speaking now, having been exposed to sailing, it's awesome and, and very normal. But the majority of the world population hasn't. So we're almost one step closer to being able to protect it. And Clean Sailors is more than just a social group with a social conscience. You really can actually help people, can't you? You can actually steer people in the right direction to get more information to making that difference you talk about yeah we've got some awesome partners um, on board and for them we're working very actively with a variety of organizations around the world to help them share this sort of message as i mentioned it's the education it's breaking things down into very accessible how-tos so we know that climate change might be an issue. We know there's loads of microplastics in our waters. The list goes on. But, OK, what do we do about it? So we never highlight an issue or, I say, an opportunity without a really clear, tangible solution about how any can make a change or get involved. Mm. And But people will often say, and listen, we've all heard the arguments, but people often say, well, I'm not sure what little bit I can do will really make a difference. But I think what you're saying is actually we can be as granular as you like on this because actually every little bit of difference we make in the end makes a big difference. I think so. And I think where personally the psychological burden comes from when we're always hearing in some ways the the detriment that we're causing to the environment and what our oceans really look like it's hard it's hard to think well the ocean's massive and it's been there for billions of years and I'm just me but in some ways clean sailors is a testament to 
to one person and then a group of people just changing something, just sharing knowledge or reading something that maybe they wouldn't have come across before. And all of that has a compound effect. On a planet now, 7.9 billion, nearly 8 billion people. So if each of us did something really small, then it really can have a compound effect. It is worth it, even the days when it feels like there's a tidal wave against us. There are, of course, barriers to anybody being more environmentally savvy. What are the obvious ones, perhaps? The, the most obvious answer coming from where we are as clean sailors is, is knowledge. Most of us have a you know, great intention to look after the planet around us, but either it's uh, not knowing where to start, literally. It's the biggest feedback we've always had is, OK, how do, I, how do I do this? What's the first thing I need to buy? What's the first thing I can swap? Where do I find find the answers and we're coming across those answers we find the science we relay that into a really accessible form so we've always got product suggestions we've always got whether it's literally changing a washing up liquid or your toilet cleaner on your boat away from bleach that's a massive thing but actually is relatively easy to do so i do think the biggest element is knowledge and education for sure who is it you're trying to talk to then, Holly? Where's the little hanging <laughs> fruit for you to talk to? Who are they? We're talking to sailors predominantly at the moment. And that's sort of our mission is every sailor on the planet. We're in a great position as sailors to have experience in using this wonderful ecosystem. And therefore we're better placed in comparison to the other five or six million, sorry, billion people who have never experienced the waters the same way that we do, right? I think it's turning us already from ocean appreciators into into ocean ambassadors. And we're seeing a large portion of people who either follow us or subscribe to us or get in touch with us don't sail. They sailed once when they were younger, but kind of appreciate that this doesn't have to be hard for, for any of us. And actually a big part of it comes from creating a community and, and sharing just practical tips rather than aiming for perfection, which is very difficult for any of us, right? Yeah, you talk about perfection there. We all set the bar pretty high when you start off, particularly in the early days, don't you? I think in some ways you have to aim high, but appreciating we're incredibly human and there is no fault in that. There are times when you may be in a marina and can only get access to a certain thing before you undertake a passage and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be adhering to all of our clean tips all the time. The idea is, look, this is how easy it is for us to start. And over time, we all just keep chipping away. And we're seeing already a societal change in this, not just from a consumer perspective, but from a producer and supplier perspective. And that's in response to all of us as individuals thinking slightly differently. We're creating a new kind of market. We're creating a new kind of standard. And ultimately in that, we can help, help again vote for the way we want our future to look. And you and I could have a long conversation about how quick or how slow the marine industry is itself grabbing the uh, the environmental nettle and doing something with it. But what is it you would like the marine industry and the leisure boat owners themselves to do going forward? And, and how practical do you think what you're talking about here is for people to implement? I think the marine industry is actually one of the most exciting industries, particularly in this colossal seismic global shift that we are undertaking towards cleaner, healthier practices. And this is an opportunity for innovation. It's an opportunity to do things differently. And it's an opportunity in some ways to find the coolest, most exciting technological advances perhaps we've known in centuries for a very pressing and urgent need. And that's obviously the environment and the health of, in particular, our waters. So I think there is already a lot going on in the marine industry. I think the more that 
the more that we find knowledge and the more that we share it, it's an opportunity for sailors and the marine industry to further engage in the real conversation. A big part of it is accessibility to to science and we're all listening to science more. But again, it's making it accessible, which is exactly what we're aiming to do. Really difficult one to answer this one, Holly, and, and bear with me. It's just sure. when you're in management, you, you tend to look at when you're setting out the criteria for something, for a product launch or for something you use or experience, that there is often a way of measuring success it strikes me and correct me if i'm wrong please that this is a difficult one to measure success in how would you counter that i think there are several ways in which you can measure it i mean not least given the interest that we have in our own project and the variety of partners that we've already got so starting off from our early days with smaller teams and actually now scaling to global brands who are behind uh, what we stand for and i think that we see not just changes in the way that's our partners are working, so whether it's sourcing new kind of products, helping develop new environmental social governance plans with them, but it's also seeing a change in the kind of availability of products and services that sailors and people within the marine industry can be using. I mean, we're already seeing change even within my local town, Falmouth, of products that are now available within a Chandler's. So whether it's better products um, for cleaning your boats, whether it's, again, sort of deck washes or anti-foul products there is this whole movement of course we can say we measure our metrics in terms of how many people listen to our new podcast or how many people open our newsletter but this is seismic we play a role in this because we're sharing knowledge so we're seeing people take that on board and we're seeing changes already happening not just with individual sailors but all the way up through the industry from marinas to harbours to ports and as i mentioned to now some global brands who are calling our supporters and partners Mm. So as we reach the end of today's podcast, Holly, let's just take a a little bit of an overview and just say any other advice, what other messages would you have for us sailors on the water? I think it's a really simple one. It's we love the water, we use the water and therefore as it's our passion, our pastime and for many of us, our profession, we are the best people to, to help protect it. So getting cleaner and reducing our impact is very easy. We've got a whole load of resources on cleansailors.com in terms of where to get started. And as mentioned, it can be as simple as switching your washing up liquid to what you scrub your deck with and where you dispose of your sort of grey water and chuck your anchor. I mean, these are these are incremental steps that compounded, again, make a huge difference. It can be pretty easy. Holly, thank you so very much indeed for joining us for today's podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. So Holly, Savvy Navi, what's your view on what they're offering and how does that sort of fit into what you're trying to achieve? Personally, obviously, as a sailor and having done the kind of, dare I say it, laborious, but very interesting qualifications, whether it's in chart reading and navigation, I just, I think Savvy Navi is incredibly intelligent in its way that it increases the accessibility to the water. Sailing traditionally has been a sport and a pastime that has got quite a high barrier to entry, whether it's financial or whether it's by virtue of qualification. So being able to use a tool in a resor- as a resource as easy and as simple as Savvy Navi is just, is just awesome. And to our point, from a clean sailor's perspective, we're all about championing the ocean and actually we need more people to see it. We need more people to experience what the ocean does for us. You know, what the climate and weather systems look like when you're offshore and what's existing below the waterline because the more we experience something, the better chance we have in understanding it and then 
it's far more easy for us to then become ambassadors and work to protect it. How does what you do fit in with what the RYA are doing with their green blue, by the way? Well, I think we're all champions for a cleaner, healthier environment. We're not obviously a membership organisation the same way as the RYA is and others in the industry on, on that side. And we're working directly with sailors. So the way yeah. that we are approaching this topic is we're garnering a global community mm. um, of people who are just like us as a team yeah. and making sure that we've got the tools that we need as individuals to champion a way mm. cleaner practice so we're all supporters and ambassadors for our waters without question yeah. um yeah. we just knew we and have a slightly different model holly thank you so very much indeed for joining us for today's podcast Thank you, it's been a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed hearing from today's guests and you'll join us for more soon. Don't forget, if you have any questions that you would like me to ask the crew of Phoenix, just let me know via the Savvy Navi website. The Boating Life Podcast with Savvy Navi, making marine navigation at sea easy.